Good morning. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. As uh, Charles said, we're closing up our series on 2 Peter. We'll be in chapter 3. Uh, several months ago, Charles asked me if I was willing to preach. And I said, yeah, of course I would be willing to preach. I'm available. And he tells me he's going to give me the conclusion of this series. And I'm like, great, you know, no pressure there. Sum up everything Charles has been preaching about the last couple of months. But last week, Charles was talking about dressing for the occasion, the day of the Lord coming, and being ready for that. And so, if you heard his sermon last week, some of you might remember what this signifies. He told a story about somebody who was wanting to be, at their funeral, they wanted to be holding a fork in their casket. Why do you want to have a fork in your casket? Because if you, I'm sure you can all relate, if you have a family gathering or Thanksgiving or something, and you're done with the meal, and they say, hold on to that fork, the best is yet to come. It's the same deal. If we get done with this meal we call life, hold on to your fork, because the best is yet to come. And I bring that up, I thought that was an excellent way to remind you of Charles' sermon, because our th- scripture starts today with, therefore, looking forward to these things. So will you please stand and honor God as we read through our scriptures today. Stand if you're able, and we'll pray afterwards. We'll be in Second Peter chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. It says, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the freedom to come and and have fellowship with one another, the freedom to worship you to preach your word. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me today. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be with each one here and all those online who are listening, that you would prick their hearts, convict them, help them to understand your word just a little bit more that they would ever draw closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Warren, for your uh, communion. The uh, Preparing with, for your team, preparing for that final crown, kind of fits with what I'm going through. With what I'm going to be going through today. Um, the title for today is the question to be had is how will you be found? Scripture. It started off looking forward to these things. Like I said, the best is yet to come. We know there's going to be a new heaven and new earth. We know Christ is coming as believers. So how will you be found? 
And I don't mean found as in that you're lost, but how are you? How will you be found when the day of the Lord comes? I, I think of how will you be found in the other several weeks ago that Justin and I normally do, or we do do Sunday school first hour. And Justin preaches because uh, Justin teaches that class because he's a far better teacher than I am. But <laughs> one Saturday evening, he calls me up and says, "Can't make it for whatever. I can't even remember the reason, but." It, had some emergency. He called me up Saturday evening. I was found to be lacking because I hadn't been studying the scriptures. I relied too much on him in studying and and being prepared to teach that night. So how will you be found? What will you be doing when the day of the Lord comes? There's two phrases that come to my mind. In my mind, I think the Lord has a highlighter because when I was reading through these scriptures, preparing for this, he highlighted these two phrases, verse 14 and 18. But he highlighted, so that there's, I have two points. You think, oh, that's good, it's going to be a short sermon. Well, probably not. Two points for each point. The phrases are, and these are what stood out to me as I prayed about this. Be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. That's the first one. The second one, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, how important are peace and grace? Because those two words specifically kept popping out to me. Now, remember, reading through Scripture, if you'll you'll notice, you can flip through there. Every single letter that the Apostle Paul writes starts off with grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. If he feels like it's important to start each letter and Peter does the same thing, there must be something to that. Grace and peace. So I want to start with that first phrase. Found to be in his peace, blameless and spotless. When I read that, I thought blameless and spotless. Well, that counts me out. I've already sinned and I haven't even had my morning coffee, right? Blameless and spotless. What does that mean? It's impossible for us to be blameless and spotless before God except through Jesus. And that's what we're talking about here when you say be found blameless and spotless. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to people who have made that decision to follow Christ. So remember... You are blameless and spotless in the eyes of God. He does not see your sin. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. He has totally wiped away all your transgressions. Be blameless and spotless. So focus on that. 1 John 2, verse 2 says, He himself is the propitiation for our sins, meaning he satisfied that. He was our atonement. He satisfied that payment that none of us could ever pay. So always keep that on my, in your mind to be found blameless and spotless. You are blameless and spotless in the eyes of God because of Jesus. Be found blameless and spotless because of Jesus. Believe and be baptized. I assume most of you may here have been baptized. Maybe there's some of you that haven't been and made that commitment. So I want you to think about that today. 
Think about the fact that we will be before God one day. Think about, will you be seen as blameless and spotless? Will Christ come to bat for you because you've chosen to follow him? Just as Matt did the other day. Just as Brooklyn did. Now, this first part of that, I'm kind of going backwards there, but the first part of that, be found in his peace. I tell you, for the last three or four months, I've been thinking about peace a lot and praying about it, and God has been talking to me, and I've been struggling with it. I'll be honest with you, this last week I've had trouble having peace because I'm nervous about coming up here. But it's also gave me an opportunity to get down on my knees and just say, oh man, I need you. I can't do this without you. This is not me. I do not like being up here. <laughs> but I love being able to preach the word of God. I love the preparation that led up to this. And yeah, I struggled every single day, but I prayed every single day. And I grew in that. And I was able to find his peace. And just look. It's funny how God works. And I, I don't know how else to say it but funny. But So Charles gave me these scriptures. And so I started praying about it three or four months ago. About the same time, God put it on my heart to, to try and memorize these certain verses. These verses were good to, <clears throat> I liked them because they start off with rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That's always good, right? So that's Philippians 4, chapter 4. And so I'm, I'm trying to memorize these verses. And then over here, I'm praying about these scriptures in 2 Peter. And about a week ago, God brought it all together. I was talking to a friend, and he was talking about some struggles that he's having and, and habits that he just can't seem to break. He just seemed to be seeking something. He couldn't figure it out, and it just clicked in my head. And I said, you're seeking God's peace. Just like I'm seeking God's peace every single day, you're seeking God's peace. So let me read you these scriptures and how you'll see what I mean when, it, when everything comes together. Sometimes I just think I'm really thick-headed and I don't see it, but God has patience. It says that right there in our, in our first verses there. We'll read in Philippians 4, chap, chapter 4, verse 4 and on. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Get this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. So, reading through that, at first I thought, well, I just got to pray for it. So, God, give me peace. Well, God can do all things. He, can, he could do that. But notice how it says, by prayer and supplication. Your request, supplication is your request. By prayer, supplications with thanksgiving, having the right attitude, having the right heart before God. Prayer, 
is not just a request. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is spending time with him daily, talking to him, talking to him like we talk to our spouses, talking to our friends. He is always there for us. And if we pray to him, let our requests be made known to him, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And here I am trying to preach about it. You know, it's ironic. The peace of God is beyond our understanding, and it's there for us. It's there for us to grab a hold of. And I think about my friend and dealing with his habits and his, his issues that he's having. I think about this world that we live in. I think about the fact that everybody's so offended by everything anymore, right? Everybody is hurt by this, that, and the other thing. Nobody is seeking the peace of God. Nobody is seeking that tranquility, that serenity, that reconciliation that they can have with the God of the universe. And here we are as believers, and we have that within our grasp, yet we don't take hold of it every single day. funny thing is, it didn't stop there in Philippians 4. It goes on to say, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything that is praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things that I have, things that you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. I don't mean to oversimplify, but that sounds like an instruction manual to me. If we meditate on these things, if we do the things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, if there's virtue or anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things that you learned and received and heard and saw from me. This is the Apostle Paul teach, talking. The teachings of the apostles from Jesus Christ himself Meditate on these things, and the God of peace will be with you. How many times do we get distracted in our week, and we don't feel the God of peace with us? And we realize, I'm not meditating on things that are true, that are lovely, that are pure, that are noble. I'm gossiping, I'm hateful, I'm spending too much time on Facebook reading other people's comments dragging myself down and here's God standing right there saying I've got the peace that surpasses all understanding and it's here available for you. All you got to do is turn to me, pray, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving and let it will guard your hearts and minds. Do you understand that? I don't even understand that fully. The peace of God guarding our hearts and minds and it doesn't stop there. Verses 10 through 13, and I'll just skip through those, but Paul is saying, I know how to be abased, and know, I know how to abound. Everything and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. He's learned how to be content. How? The peace of God. That's the only way to be content. Both to abound and to suffer need. And guess what the next phrase is? Next verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
There it is again. Through Christ who strengthens me. I can have the peace that I can be content. That I can deal with the problems of this world. That I can deal with the problems of this world and still have a light to shine. And to make people ask, what is it that you have? I want that. I want that peace that you are showing. John 14, 27. Jesus is speaking and he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Straight from his mouth. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus Christ is saying, I'm leaving my peace here for you. Take hold of it. Grab it. We are believers, baptized believers. and We have access to peace that surpasses all understanding. It just blows my mind that it's available, one, and that we don't access it all the time. To be found in his peace, blameless and spotless, is to follow and obey Jesus. The next phrase that I feel like God highlighted is growing in grace and knowledge. There's two parts to that too. What does growing in grace even mean? As I studied, looked into that, what is it, how would you say that? What does it mean? To growing in grace. So I found a quote that I'd like to share with you. It's from a definition of grace from Paul, Paul Zoll. He's an author and a preacher. It says, grace is love that seeks you out when you have nothing to give in return. Grace is love coming at you that has nothing to do with you. Grace is being loved when you are unlovable. The cliche definition of grace is unconditional love. It is a true cliche for it is a good description of the thing. Let's go a little further, though. Grace is a love that has nothing to do with you, the beloved. It has everything and only to do with the lover. Grace is irrational in the sense that it has nothing to do with weights and measures. It has nothing to do with my intrinsic qualities or so-called gifts, whatever they may be. It reflects a decision on the part of the giver, the one who loves, in relation to the receiver, the one who is loved that negates any qualifications the receiver may personally hold. Grace is one-way love. Grace is undeserved favor. Grace is power. And along with this quote, there was a blog. And uh, I read through it, and I really loved how this guy says, talks about grace. And uh, I thought, well, I'll share it. Well, I better make sure who's saying it, you know, just so I can see who it is. Turns out it's the guy that created Veggie Tales, <coughs> which, you know, I wasn't watching Veggie Tales preparing for the sermon. But hey, you know, that might help sometimes too. But he's got a new a video series. It's What's in the Bible, and so he wrote. It says, "Grace is not just the basis for our right standing with God, but all of life is grounded in grace." Through the riches of God's grace, we receive forgiveness, and it is his, is his grace that moves us forward in our Christian walk. In, t- 
Titus 2, 11 and 12, Paul writes, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. Grace transforms our desires, behaviors, and motivations. Grace enables and powers everything in the Christian life. Grace is the basis for our our identity in Christ. Our holiness is from the grace of God. Grace gives us strength for living. Our hope of eternal life rests in the grace of God. Our lives are no longer controlled by sin, but we now live a life of faith given to us by God's grace. We are saved by grace through faith, not by works, but but for good works. Moreover, it is by God's grace alone that we can participate in what God is doing in the world. Through his grace, God calls us to be part of his mission, a part of what he is doing to bring about redemption and restoration to the world. As recipients of grace, we are privileged to serve as agents of grace. We receive grace, are encouraged to continue in grace, and are called to testify in the grace of God. Grace empowers us to go to the sinners, prostitutes, and tax collectors of our days and love them with the love of Christ. We extend grace to all people because of the grace God has shown us. Growth in grace is not easy, though. Scotty Smith puts it appropriately in his book, The Reign of Grace, writing, Why had I assumed that growth in grace would be less painful than any other kind of growth? Heart surgery is heart surgery, any way you cut it. Grace cuts to the core of us, and it is hard. Through the pain, we are not alone. Grace carries us. It does not leave us to fend for ourselves or tell us to pull pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. It continues to seek us out even when we reject it. It is, a, it is one way love. A life of faith given to us by God's grace. Grace transforms, enables us, empowers us. We grow in grace by participation. Like the communion that we just had. Realizing what he's done for us. Every time we take part in things like that. Every time we have fellowship with one another and remember Christ. Every time we give Christ what is due, when we are doing our offering, when we give Christ, give our money, if we're giving for the right reason, we're growing in grace, participating in these things. When we love like he loves us, we grow in grace. I read a story about a a missionary, and he struggled with the same feelings that many Christians wrestle with today. While in China, he experienced bouts of anger, frustration, and discouragement. He wondered how he could possibly be a leader of others when he himself was not a victorious Christian. One day, a godly friend sent him a letter, and the Holy Spirit illuminated his heart and mind to understand what it really meant to abide in Christ. He suddenly realized that it was not his job to struggle and strive in order to be a good Christian, but rather to simply abide in the vine 
and the life-giving energy from the vine which produced the fruit in his life. This life-giving energy is the power of God's grace, which is accessed through our faith, as Paul explains. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And I love how they, this missionary put that. It was not his job to struggle and strive in order to be a good Christian. How many times do we get caught up with that? Trying so hard to be a good Christian when really we simply need to abide in the vine that is Jesus. John 15, 3 through 8, Jesus says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You are already clean. Abide in me and I in you. Live in me, he says. Dwell in me. Dwell in my word. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Do you hear what that says? The branch cannot bear fruit unless it's part of the vine. A Christian cannot bear fruit unless you are abiding in Christ, living in Christ. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. There it is again. I can do all things through Christ. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Abiding in him instead of struggling and striving to be the good Christian that we try to be. When simply we need to seek his peace, seek his grace, grow in his grace, and grow in, in the vine to produce fruit. And that goes to the next part of that when we're talking about growing in peace Growing in the grace and knowledge. Growing in the knowledge. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. My words abide in you. What are his words? What are Jesus' words? He left us. We are so fortunate right now in this time period that we have Christ's words written right here. We have access to the Holy Spirit. We have access to his peace, which surpasses all understanding. And we're to grow in the grace and knowledge, growing in the knowledge. In first, in Second Peter, we'll go back to our verses of the day. Growing in, in the knowledge of Christ. Verses 15 <clears throat> through 17, it says, And consider that the longsuffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught, unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Listen. Kind of a side note here. This is Peter. He's talking about the Apostle Paul's letters. He's giving them affirmation. He's saying, listen to what he's saying, which is very interesting because Peter and Paul they had an issue. They, they had a disagreement at one time. And I always like 
digging up little nuggets like this because Peter and Paul had an issue. Paul confronted Peter. If this were a myth, like some people believe, why would they talk about that? Why would they show an apostle failing at something? Not only that, but now we have Peter affirming Paul's words according to the wisdom given to him by the Holy Spirit. And he says, some of these things are hard to understand. And I agree with him. A lot of this stuff in the Bible is very hard to understand. Growing in the knowledge of Christ, studying the Bible is hard to do at times. There's a lot of deep stuff in there. But we have to commit to it. We have to spend time in the word so that, like he says, speaking in them these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do the rest of the scriptures. If we don't know the scriptures fully, if we don't understand it, if we don't try to go to Bible studies and, and really figure these things out, it can become twisted, and then we have our own version of us, and we have a thousand different denominations. We have all these different things going on when really if we just focus on God's word, if we'd be able to test God's word and question it, you should question me. You should question Charles. If you don't think he says something right, if you don't think I'm saying something right, look it up. Prove me wrong. I'd love to have a discussion with you about Bible verses. But that's what we're supposed to do, growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And also, to be warned, like Charles has been preaching about and others the past couple months, beware lest you also fall from your steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. Those that don't study the scriptures, those that assume things, those that twist scripture, they think they know what they're talking about, but they don't. We need to be able to see that error. We need to be able to question that error. We don't have to have all the answers. We have to be able to say, wait a minute, I don't think that's right. Let's go to the scriptures and figure it out. Let's have fellowship with one another. Call Charles up. I've got my, kind of my goal is to have Carl's phone, Charles' phone blow up this week with questions about the Bible. That'd be awesome. I think that'd be really good. So go ahead and do that. Call him with all your questions this week. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Learn for yourself. This, that's been my journey for the last 10 years. I came, to, I came to this church, and I believed. I thought I believed. And then I started learning. And then I started reading. And then I started listening to the Holy Spirit. And that's the key right there. If you study the Bible, you need to have the Holy Spirit for, ask for his guidance first and foremost. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, to lead you, to help you to understand to lead you to the person that can answer the questions. Have him, you, Paul, you need to go talk to Brian today. Paul, you need to go talk to Justin today. Paul, you need to go just have a conversation with this person. And by divine appointments, God sets these things up and our understanding grows and we grow in the knowledge of, our, of the Lord. And that's been my past 10 years. The first week we were here, I had decided to change my life. 
And the first week we're here, God answered my call, and he sent Brian to say, hey, we've got a men's group. Do you want to come study the Bible with us? Okay, I hear you. Yes, I'll go. And that men's group helped me immensely because we studied the Bible. Just straight studied the New Testament scriptures. So be found growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ by abiding in him and searching the scriptures daily. It all boils down to relationship. I'm going to invite the praise team to come up right now. But it all boils down to relationship. If you're found in his peace, blameless and spotless, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, it's all about relationship. It's not about religion here at PV. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ, who was born a man, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, paid that price for our sins, was buried and resurrected, hallelujah, for you, by the grace of God, for you and for me. Be found growing in that knowledge. Be found in that grace. Be found to be seeking that relationship every single moment. Peace that surpasses all understanding just blows my mind. That we don't find it every second of the day. That we think we can do it ourselves. So I would invite you today. Our scripture says, And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Be thankful that the Lord is patient. I praise God every day that he is patient for me to wait until I was 39 to start walking with him. He's patient and he's waiting. But the day of the Lord is coming. If you need to come forward, confess your sins, or just to request to be baptized, to be a part of this church, to recommit yourself to Christ. I invite you to come forward as we stand and sing this last song. And I want to close with the very thing I started with. Grace to you and peace from our God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ.